Amen. What a blessing that is. Friends, in our series, God's Blueprint for Rebuilding His Church and Your Life, we have found not only has God given Nehemiah a vision for rebuilding the premises for the next generation, listen to us, what else He's done? He's given Nehemiah a vision to restore the people in this present generation. To do that, Nehemiah has focused on five topics in the lives of God's people. And it, it worked then, and I can tell you that it will work today. These things are this, getting back to the book. Amen? Getting uh, serious about obedience. Getting concerned about sin. Getting committed to God. And also getting prepared to serve Him are all ways that Nehemiah spoke to the people of God 2,500 some odd years ago. In our last installment in this series, we learned that if future generations in the church and outside the church are going to learn to live for God, if they are going to raise their families to do the same, then we, God's people, must devote ourselves to serving God in every area of our lives. How many of you know that the best way to teach somebody something is by example, example, example? Somebody say amen. We teach people by example, example, example. Now, one area of serving the Lord is being thankful for this privilege of ministering to the afflicted. Those who are afflicted with illness, those who are afflicted with infirmity, and ministering to those who are afflicted with the challenges that are inherent with aging. That is a ministry even unto itself. So one way we do that here at Bethel Baptist Church, both inside the church and outside our walls, is through what we call our Grow Outreach Ministry. See, the ministry of God primarily is done outside these walls. What's done inside the walls is the equipping, is the calling, is the challenging to go out into the mission field, that is your workplace, your circles of influence, your circle of buddies, and serve God, being thankful and ministering in all these areas. And I just want to tell you that as you serve God in this grow outreach capacity and in any others, you're going to experience great joy. You're going to experience great excitement and you're going to experience great gratitude as God works through his people for his glory. This is an exciting opportunity. But you know, I believe that it's safe to say that there is a very distinct connection between what we say we're thankful for and how we respond to God in thankfulness. There's a difference between what we say we're thankful for and how we express that thankfulness. 
I mean, if you say that you're thankful, but your life does not reflect that you're thankful, you're either a hypocrite or you're a liar. Amen? So today, as we read about God's people celebrating, celebrating the dedication of this completed wall, we're going to identify four ways that you and I can joyfully express our thankfulness to God. Because what we say and how we express it are intricately connected. Okay? So, as you align your life with the lives of God's people back then, you're going to be able to answer this question. Am I thankful to God? And if you say that you are, how am I expressing it? How am I showing God that I'm thankful? First of all, I want you to notice that God's people are purified personally as they reflect their thankfulness. We're going to be reading out of Nehemiah chapter 12. And I'm going to begin reading from verse 27 because the first 26 verses tell the names of a particular group of people that came far before Nehemiah came. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 27 about how God's people respond to thankfulness by being personally purified. Here it goes. Verse 27. Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate. To celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and singing with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem from the villages of the Nidophathites, from the house of Gilgal, from the fields of Geba and Azmeth, from the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. And then the priests and Levites, here it comes, purified themselves purified the people, purified the gates, and purified the wall. Now there are two original Bible words for that word that we read in verse 27, dedicate. You all know the first one, the meaning of dedicate means to set yourself apart for God, to dedicate yourself for God. But the other meaning, and the meaning that we find here that is being used in verse 27 is this, to mark the beginning of a new thing. They were dedicating themselves, acknowledging that God was beginning a new thing. You see, the dedication of the wall around the city was far more than just celebrating the completion of the, of the project, of the wall. They were celebrating the beginning of a whole new era. Now, last week on Easter Sunday, many folks joined us uh, from out of town, uh, older members that uh, hadn't been able to come, maybe because of COVID lockdowns or whatever. But many people said to me personally, maybe they did to you too, they said, there were so many new people here. 
anybody. And listen, friend, one reason that that's true is because we too are experiencing a whole new era. We are dedicating. This is the beginning of a whole new era. And the good news is you're here to see it. The good news is that you're here to be a part of it. The good news is it's that you're here to participate. So I want to tell you, hold on. Because we're getting ready to go on a great ride. Amen. It's going to be a blessing. So as the Levites gathered God's people for this dedication, verse 30 said, they purified themselves. They purified the people. They purified the gates. And they even purified the wall. This was really just kind of a symbolic cleansing because it tells us that God desires that everything associated with him ought to be pure. If you're associated with God today, I want to tell you, he expects your life to be pure. Yeah, the walls, yeah, the gates, yeah, all the families, but especially the people ought to be pure before God. Anybody who professes to be a follower of Jesus Christ soon finds out it is impossible to live like the world lives, but remain pure in God's sight. You can't do both, right? You're called to live differently. You're called to live in purity. The Holy Spirit of God always will convict the heart of the true believer of anything that is impure, of anything that is unrighteous. So what am I saying? The point is this. Friend, if you can live your life in sin, if you can live in sin without that sting of conviction, I got to tell you, you really need a faith checkup because something ain't right. If you can live in sin without that sting of conviction, something is not right. And I want to encourage you to take that faith checkup and find out what you need to do to get right with God. Because God's people reflect their thankfulness by being personally purified. But there's something else. God's people also, when they're reflecting their thankfulness, will praise God corporately. That is simply a word that we're going to praise him when we gather, gather together, okay? Look at what the Bible says in verse 31. Nehemiah writes in his journal, he says, So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall, and I appointed two large Thanksgiving choirs. Now, Brother Hal, I know you would love to have one choir. Amen? They had two. Two Thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand on the wall toward the refuse gate. After them went Hoshiah and the half of the leaders of Judah. And Azariah and Ezra, Meshelam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah. And some of the priests of the sons with trumpets. Zechariah. Zechariah was basically a direct descendant of Asaph. Who wrote many of the Psalms in the Bible. Verse 36. And his brethren Shemaiah. Azarel, Melali, Gilali, Mai, Nathaniel, Judah, Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. Ezra the scribe went before them by the fountain gate. In front of them, they went up the stairs of the city of David and on the stairway of the wall beyond the house of David as far 
as the water gate eastward. And then the other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way. And I was behind them with half of the people on the wall going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall. It was kind of like a Thanksgiving parade on top of the wall. It was really cool. So anyway, and above the gate of Ephraim, above the old gate, above the fish gate, above the tower of Hananel, the tower of Hundred, as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison. Now, what we read here is the second part of this dedication was not only purifying the people and everything associated with God, the second part was the selection of these two Thanksgiving choirs. And because the wall was wide enough for the choir to walk upon, the leader sent one choir in one direction and the other choir in the other direction. And they were just going to meet together in the middle at the temple. All right. So these choirs were, were marching in parade format on top of the wall. And they were jubilantly singing songs of praise, thanking God for all he'd done as he had rebuilt the premises and as he was restoring the people of God. They were singing and praising the Lord. And these choirs were basically representing everyone. They represented the people, the priests. Um, also, the princes, all the people were represented by these Thanksgiving choirs. They represented everybody, and everybody was getting involved. All of God's people were getting involved in thanking God. And I say, you know what? That's the way it should be. We should all be involved in praising God. But sadly, in the church, many times the 80-20 rule prevails. Many times in the church, you've got 80% of the praising being done by 20% of the people. Amen. And that should not be the way that it is. To me, it's a little bit distressing that there's 80% of the people that don't find any reason to celebrate the goodness of God. They don't find any reason to be thankful. They don't find any reason to sing. They don't find any reason to shout. They don't find any reason to celebrate what God is doing in their life. So today, we're celebrating. We're celebrating that God is doing something in our midst. That God's plans are moving forward, even though we don't even know what they are yet. All we know is that God's plans are moving forward in this church. And I want to encourage you, friend, that you will look for reasons to get involved in the plans of God as he continues to move forward in the life of our church. Friend, let me ask you a question. What are you thankful for? Somebody shout it out. What are you thankful for? Uh, raise your hand. Let me see. I got to see who it is. Good health. What else? Salvation. Keep going. Freedom. Life itself. What else? Bella. Heaven. Woo. Go, girl. But Tim. Family. What else? Barrett. The Bible. Go, girl. What are you thankful for? <laughs> Sorry about that. Amen. Praise God. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Jesus, most of all, what are you thankful for? Come on. Who's that? Liam. That God died on the cross for us. Woo, that's huge. What else? Daily provision. 
Amen. Keep going. What are you thankful for? Answered prayers. Amen. Anybody thankful for their babies? Hallelujah. I'm thankful for our babies too. Here's my point, y'all. We go on and on all day long. Telling God and telling one another what we're thankful for. But how is your life reflecting that thankfulness? Is your thankfulness just resorted to an occasional testimony at church? Is your thankfulness resort to just a, uh, a brief sentence in the midst of your prayer? God, thank you. Thank you for all my blessings. Well, that's a pretty generic blessing right there, amen? Thank you for all my blessings. What we say we're thankful for, we express thankfulness towards God in doing that. So, friend, I want you to know that when you are thankful for something, you will express it in some form or fashion. So I pray that all you that says you are thankful for something, you're expressing that thankfulness to God in some form or fashion. Because not only do God's people reflect thankfulness by being personally purified, but they also praise God corporately just like we just did. But God's thank we're also responding to thankfulness by making sure that we proclaim joyfully. God's people reflect thankfulness by proclaiming joyfully. Let's go back to verse 40 in Nehemiah chapter 12. Nehemiah writes, So these two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God. So they've made their way around the whole city on top of the wall, and they came and they joined together there at the house of God. All right? And likewise, Nehemiah says, I and half the rulers with me and the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Benjamin, Micaiah, Elani, Zechariah, Hananiah, with trumpets, also Messiah, Shemaiah, Eliezer, Uzer, Uzi, uh, Johanan, Malchijah, Elam, and Ezer, the singers sang loudly with Jezraniah, the director. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God made them rejoice with great joy. And the women and the children also rejoiced. Everybody who was involved, amen. They rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. That's some joyful proclaiming. Did you hear that? The praise of God's people was so jubilant. The praise of God's people was so joyful, it was so all-encompassing that people heard their praise in villages far off. They heard it in Anderson, amen. They heard it up in Minor Hill, amen. They heard it over in Lexington because God's people were praising God. Now, what does joy sound like? What does joy sound like? Well, most often... Joy involves singing of some sort. But not everybody has a great singing voice. Look to your neighbor and say, yeah, amen, right? We don't all have great singing voices. I certainly don't. But listen, even if you cannot sing, 
you can still express your joy. How do you know, Bill? Well, the Bible tells me so. In Psalm 66, the Bible says, make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Psalm 95 says, let us shout joyfully to him. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Somebody shout. That was so weak. I said, somebody shout. That's what I'm talking about. Joyful shout. The only reason you just shouted wasn't because of what Brother Bill said. You were joyful. You are making a joyful shout to the Lord. Think about it. These folks were not only overjoyed because the hard work of rebuilding the wall was done. They were elated because of what God was doing in their soul. God was doing a mighty work in their heart and in their mind. And they were excited about it. And they were shouting jubilantly and even singing too. Friend, these were people who were renewing their covenant with God to live according to His Word and to walk in obedience to the Word. These were people who got convicted of their sins and they began to resolve that they were going to make a life change because of what God had showed them. These were people who were devoting themselves that they were going to serve God in whatever capacity that He wanted to use them. So what happened to us is instead of 80-20, now it's 80-80. Instead of 20% of the people doing 80% of the praise, we got 80% of the people doing 80% of the praise. Everybody was shouting. Everybody was getting in on all the fun. What a blessing it was. You know, somebody said that you spell joy. J-O-Y. And that means that joy is Jesus and you with zero in the middle. Jesus and you with zero in the middle. In the middle. Friend, when there is nothing between you and Jesus, when there is nothing between you and God, there is nothing that can rob you of your joy. We know that, in other words, that joy is natural for the believer. Joy is natural for the Christian. Joy is a natural because it's the direct result of when a person gets spiritually connected with God. When they get intimately connected with God. And that joy will be absolutely constant unless. Unless something comes between Jesus and you. And most times what that is. Is sin. Sin will try to work itself in between you and and Jesus. It will try to short circuit your joy. It will try to steal your joy away from you. But even if sin does come and try to interrupt your joy. I want you to know friend. That all you have to do is confess it to God. Turn away from that sin. Be cleansed from that sin. Re-embrace purity. re uh, 
Commit to your obedience to God and then your joy can be heard down in Anderson. Amen? Just because you've eliminated anything that is separating you from your Jesus. You see, joy is the normal condition. It's the normal condition of someone who is in a right relationship with God and also in close fellowship with God. If you're lacking one or the other, you're going to be missing it. If, you're, if you think you're in fellowship because you're coming and checking the church box, but you don't have your relationship right with God, you will not experience joy. Friend, if you are a Christian, you have that relationship established through the blood of Jesus Christ, but you neglect your fellowship with God, you cannot experience Christian joy. So I encourage you, friend, do what these people did. They reflected their thankfulness by being purified personally, by praising God corporately, but also proclaiming Him joyfully. Now finally today, we also see that God's people provide willingly. Let's keep reading in verse 44. And at the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouses for the offerings, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portions specified by the law for the priests and Levites. For, the, for Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and, his, and Solomon, his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgivings to God. In the days of Zerubbabel, in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave. All Israel gave. All of God's people gave the portions for the singers and the gatekeepers for the portion of each day. And they consecrated the holy things for those Levites. And the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. Now the last dynamic that I want you to see today is that the events surrounding the celebration of the wall involved provision. God's people providing for the work of the Lord. You see, once God's people settled in the newly walled city, once they began thriving in their new commitment to God, not only was joy the result, but these people also turned their thanksgiving into thanks living. What began in their heart began being manifested in their lives. They began thanking God. Not only with their words. Oh God I'm so thankful to you. But they also began to be thankful with their hearts. And with their minds. God's people began to focus. On their financial obligations to God. You see true thanksgiving. Always is followed. By a desire to give. In response to what you've been given. And we all acknowledge that we have been given much. But when we truly recognize that, there is always a response to what we've been given. 
Now, most times, this is a learned response. Y'all need to listen up to this. Most times, this giving, this provision, is a learned response. I remember when I first came to Bethel almost 16 years ago. When I came, I understood what tithing was. I understood that you give 10% of what God's given you. I understood that, listen, in concept. But I have to credit Mickey and Francis Berryhill for teaching me, teaching me the idea of tithing and offering from the heart. There's a huge difference. Grace giving is a lot different than law giving. I mean, have you ever heard of a church that died because its people gave too much? I ain't never heard of one, but I have heard of churches that dried up and withered away because its people never learned. They never learned this heartfelt idea of giving themselves to serve other people and to expand the kingdom of God. I've told you all this many times before. That when God convicted my heart of the way I was living many years ago, there was a time where I had to draw a line in the sand. I said, I'm never going back there again. My life is no longer my own. Lord, you have spared me, and I am thankful. And the only way I know to show that I'm thankful is by offering myself for your service. If you'll use me, I'll do whatever you ask. That's giving. That's grace giving. Not just a dollar bill here and there. It's giving of yourself to serve other people and expand the kingdom of heaven. When believers learn to give in a biblical fashion, when they learn to give humbly and generously and cheerfully, and when they learn to give voluntarily, listen, God will bless that church to no end. It's just the way it happens. Listen, friend, we are blessed here. Amen? But part of the reason why we're blessed is that we have been obedient in our giving. But it's something we continue to learn and we continue to grow in our understanding of. My favorite pastor, David Jeremiah, said this. He said, in all my years of pastoring, no one has ever come up to me and said, Pastor Jeremiah, I made a big mistake last year. I gave too much to God. He's been a pastor about twice as long as me. And not once has he ever found somebody complaining because they gave too much. Now that may sound funny, but I believe that Christians today need to learn the same lessons that these Jews were learning in Jerusalem 2,500 years ago. That grace giving is different from law giving. 
We can trust God with our material needs. And we can trust God with our giving. Philippians 4.19, Paul wrote to that church. He said, and my God shall supply all your need. How much? All of it. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You see, giving is a matter of grace, not law. Here's how it works. God pours out his grace. And all we do is respond to that grace. We respond to the grace God has shown us. Knowing that he will always fill our need. I ain't missed a meal. In 58 years, I ain't missed a meal. Can you tell? We simply respond to God's grace for how he richly gives to us. Friends, listen. We are stewards. We are managers. We are not possessors. And the sooner we learn that, the better off we'll be. It took me a long time. I'm beginning to learn it now. Do you remember that popular slogan, what would Jesus do? Anybody remember that? What would Jesus do? Well, I was beginning to wonder, what kind of giver would I be if I asked myself that question? For example, how would God use my money how would he use my time? How would he use uh, my possessions if they were truly his to spend? What would Jesus do? If God moved into my house today and he had all my money, <laughs> so much, right? He had all my money and he had all my time, how would it be used? And perhaps... Most importantly, how would God live in my skin if he was walking where I walk? We're just managers. We're not possessors. This life you're living, you're just a manager. You're just a steward of your life. You don't possess it. How would I live in my skin if God walked where I walked? If you asked God's people back in Jerusalem, you want to know how they would answer? They'd say, well, I'll show my thankfulness by being purified personally. I'm going to show how thankful I am to God because I am going to praise God corporately. I'm going to show God how thankful I am by proclaiming my God joyfully. And finally, I'm going to show my thankfulness to all that God has done for me by providing for the Lord's work willingly. willingly. So how about you? Friend, are you part of the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ? If you are, maybe it's been a long time since you joined the family of God. And, and just today, you recognize that there is a real and personal need for you to get clean from sin. 
Maybe you've been part of God's church for a long time, but it's just today that you're beginning to see the real and personal need to show how thankful you are by being more active in praising God. Maybe you've been a part of this church for a long time, but it's just today that you recognize the real and personal need that you need to be living in joy. People need to see the joy of the Lord in the way you're living. Maybe you've been a part of this church for a long time, but you still need to learn, like I had to learn, that incredible art and privilege of grace giving. God's people in Nehemiah's day answered those questions with one thing. All I want to do is do what God expects me to do. Nothing more, nothing less. I just want to do what God wants me to do. And we can do the same. We can do the same thing if we'll take those same steps and ask this question often. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? With the life I'm living. When we take step one. Just a commitment to God's word. I want to tell you. Steps thereafter. Fall right into place. I mentioned. At the onset of the message. That today was grow outreach Sunday. And part of the way. That you can respond today. To that question, what would Jesus do? Is by becoming part of that ministry. And this is something that you don't need any special gifts to do. Anybody, everybody here know how to use a telephone? Does anybody not know how to use a telephone? Amen. Maybe you wish you didn't know how to use a telephone. Well, listen. Today, during our decision time, we've made some Grow Outreach cards. And each one of these cards has one name and their phone number. During this decision time, I want you to come up and take a card. And I want you to call them frequently. I want you to introduce yourself to them. These are folks that are afflicted with all manner of illness, infirmity, maybe with the challenges that are inherent with aging. And they need to be encouraged. They need you. They need you to come up and say, I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I want God to use me. As simple as phone calls can make a huge difference in somebody else's life. So during this decision time, I want you to come and I want you to choose to minister, to love, and to encourage somebody outside your family. I want you to come and receive a calling card. That's what we're going to call these. Come and receive a calling card. And let God use you to bless somebody that you may not even know yet. So I'm going to ask you to be obedient to the Lord. But also, if you don't have a relationship with God that comes through faith in Christ, 
Don't walk out that door without having that. It's been a long time since you've been a, a member of the church, but you rec- recognize that, you know, you got a purity issue. you got a praise issue. Man, somebody done stole your joy. I haven't been given like I should be. Whatever the Lord is speaking to you about, you just come forward and let's pray about it. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, you're an amazing God. And Father, I believe it's the desire of every child of God, certainly every servant of the Lord, to be obedient to you, to just do what you want us to do. So Father, whether it be coming to you in faith of Jesus, whether it be coming recognizing the steps we've spoken about this morning, whether it be coming and receiving a calling card today, making a public declaration and receiving a calling card that somebody outside my family is more important than me. Lord, I pray that you direct and give guidance and help us to be obedient. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Thank you.